So I haven't been on for uh, like a couple of weeks. I'm sorry about that, guys. Uh, it's just obviously been a very hectic, busy time for me. I really try not to miss the podcast because I actually really enjoy doing the podcast a bunch. Because I feel like it's the kind of thing where I can just come here and talk about whatever. Uh, pretty much unscripted. I don't have to worry about any kind of anything. Don't, wa- don't have to worry about watching my language or watching what I say or any of that other stuff. I can just say whatever I want completely unscripted and it's really nice. So... Again, I'm sorry that I haven't done a podcast in like the past like couple of weeks or something. It's just, it's been a busy time. In April, I ended up going to American Atheist Convention. I think I did a podcast on that. That was a really, really good time. Then I ended up going to Faithless Forum. That was a week later, April 27th. That was pretty cool. And then I just got back from going to a Tool concert with, my girlfriend, uh, struck by lightning, is her user on Discord, Rose. We went to a Tool concert together in Nebraska. Really good time. That was actually my first concert ever. I had never been to one before. I mean, I've been to festivals and things like that. Uh, I went to Warp Tour. I think that was in Ohio. But anyways, this was my first concert, this Tool concert. Uh, it was a really good time. I had never heard of the opening band. It was a band called All Souls. And it was it was an interesting band, but here's my issue with it. Um, it was in an arena, and as a result of being in an arena, I feel like the acoustics were a little bit off for the, for the opening band. It was kind of hard to understand or hear what was happening. The sound was kind of blurred together for All Souls, which is kind of disappointing because they're opening with Tool. Obviously, they must have some level of talent, right? Um, Because Tool is just a massively famous band. Like, they've been selling out everywhere. In fact, I'm pretty confident that they sold out at the concert that I went to. But anyways, um, for the Tool fans in my audience, they played all of the best songs. They, they started out with the song, um, they started out with the heartbeat from Third Eye on their, on their 1996 album, Anima. And the first song was uh, Anima, I guess is how you say it. God, I never know how to pronounce it. From that album. And they just did such a fantastic job. I mean, they had like lasers and... They had a big screen that lowered in front of the band, so you could still see the band, but they were playing clips from their videos and everything. It was just an awesome time. And um, so we're, you know, my girlfriend and I are at the concert, and I'm standing next to this one guy, and he looks over to me and he says, I just ate a bunch of mushrooms, man. This is going to be awesome. I was like, oh my God, what did, what did you do? This makes me so nervous. Why would somebody do that? Oh my God, eat a bunch of mushrooms and go to a public place? Holy shit. It's like watching, it's like watching somebody walk down steps drunk, carrying two cups of beer in their hand, which, by the way, I saw that at the concert too. It makes me so nervous. Why would you do that? Why would you go to a concert and eat mushrooms? Holy shit. Do you know what you're doing? Do you even know where you live after five hours of that? Um... So anyways, the guy was kind of annoying at first, 
he's bumping into us and stuff, but his buddy who he came with was sitting next to him. And after the first song, after the song Anima, the guy, his buddy stood up and walked up the stairs. I figured he's going to get some beer or something, right? And he never came back for like three hours. And we're, we're walking out of the concert now because, you know, three hours later, concert's over. We're walking out and the guy, the mushroom guy, he looks over and he's like, you guys leaving? And I said, yeah, we're leaving. It's over. He's like, I lost Brad. It was the saddest thing ever. I felt so bad for him. <laughs> I was like, I wonder where Brad is now. I bet the guy is sitting in a bathroom somewhere hiding from the monsters attacking him or some, some crazy thing like that. Anyway. It was an awesome concert either way. Had a really, really good time. I, it was so great listening to all of that music that I grew up with, you know. And at the very end, like, uh, through the entire concert, there were, uh, like, messages, like, post, like, pieces of paper posted everywhere that said, absolutely no photos of the band, no pictures, no video, no nothing. Don't want to see your cell phone out. You'll be ejected from the premises, is what it said. I go to the bathroom, and there's a sign posted in front of the toilet that says it. I mean, they were serious about it. So at the very end, very last song, Maynard James Keenan, the singer, comes out and says, Okay, since all you guys were good little boys and girls, you can take out your fucking cell phones and take pictures of the band now, or something like that. It was really funny. Uh, so the very last song they did was Stink Fist. It was song number one on their 1996 album. And just a sea of cell phones. I think there were probably 10,000 people there. All, everybody had their cell phones out recording it. It was just awesome. It was a really, really good show. So anyway, that's how my last week went. Um, Barring some drama, things like that. There's always some kind of drama going on on YouTube with YouTubers and all that other junk. But it was a good weekend, nonetheless. Uh, can't beat that Tool concert, though. Can't beat hanging out with my girlfriend and everything. So I wanted to talk about uh, this case with the Electronic Frontier Foundation. I, a lot of you guys have probably heard of this before or heard of this recently because this is reasonably big news in the ex-Jehovah's Witness community right now. <clears throat> so Jehovah's Witnesses, now I, as far as I know, I've listened to some of this case as it goes on. I'm a little bit underinformed on it though, so I'm going to be learning as, we, as I read this with you. Uh, as far as I know, Jehovah's Witnesses are trying to sue Reddit to get this person's name, to get their real name. The reason is because on the XJW subreddit, this person named Dark Spilver is the username they go by, uh, posted, <coughs> excuse me, posted this Jehovah's Witness advertisement and Jehovah, it was kind of in meme form, I guess. It completely, clearly fit under fair use. But Jehovah's Witnesses are trying to sue for this guy's name so that they can go at him with a DMCA, basically, is what they're saying. And the Electronic Frontier Foundation has picked up the case. And it seems obvious to everybody that really 
Jehovah's Witnesses' goal in this whole thing is just to get the guy's name so they can disfellowship him, which is really, really messed up. And it's a it's an abuse of the copyright system. That's not what it's intended for. And so the Electronic Frontier Foundation is pretty much defending this guy and and took on the case to try to prevent the Watchtower Society from winning. So let's just give like uh, some of this a little read and see what it has to say. So here's what it says. A fight over unmasking an anonymous Reddit commenter has turned into a significant win for online speech and fair use. A federal court has affirmed the right to share copyrighted material for criticism and commentary and shot down arguments that Internet users from outside the U.S. can't ever rely on the First Amendment protections for anonymous speech. EFF, which is the Electronic uh, Frontier Foundation, represents the Reddit commenter who uses the name Dark Spilver. A lifelong member of the Jehovah's Witness community, Dark Spilver shared comments and concerns about the Jehovah's Witness organization via one of Reddit's online discussion, uh, I'm sorry, online discussion groups. Dark Spilver's posts included a copy of an advertisement asking for donations that appeared on the back of a Watchtower magazine, as well as a chart they edited and reformatted to show the kinds of data that the Jehovah's Witness organization collects and processes. Now, there are some issues with how Jehovah's Witnesses—I'm sorry—how Jehovah's Witnesses collect and process data, and we're going to get to that in a minute. I just wanted to address a little bit of this first. Earlier this year, the Watchtower Society subpoenaed Reddit for information on Dark Spilver as part of a potential copyright lawsuit. The Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, a group that publishes doctrines for Jehovah's Witnesses, claimed that Dark Spilver's posts infringed on their copyright. Man, I. In this dude's case, I'd be so glad that I didn't have just, like, an awful name. Just, like, Dark Spilver is kind of a strange name, but it's not, like, horrifically terrible. It's not like I love dicks or something like that. Um, so now you've got this dude that's, like, going around that, you know, wearing a username that says I love dicks everywhere, and it's, like, plastered all over the news. That would have been hilarious, but terrible. Anyway... Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses claimed that Dark Spilver's posts infringed their copyright and that they needed Dark Spilver's identity to pursue legal action. EFF filed a motion to quash the subpoena, um, explaining that Watchtower's copyright claims were absurd and that Dark Spilver had deep concerns that disclosure of their identity, I'm sorry, disclosure of their identity would cause them to be disfellowshipped by their community, which is a well-founded fear. I mean, that's exactly what would happen. Accordingly, Watchtower subpoena could not pass the well-established Doe test, quote-unquote, which allows a party to use the courts to pierce anonymity only where they can show that their claims are valid and also that the balance of harms favors disclosure. The Doe test is designed to balance the constitutional right to share and access information anonymously with the right to seek redress for legit, uh, I'm sorry, for legitimate complaints. Interesting. So basically, a decision was made in this case. Um, we're right near the bottom, so let me just finish reading this up, and we'll see what it has to say. In a hearing earlier this month, Watchtower argued that they met the requirements of the Doe test, claiming that their copyright was infringed, and also that the Doe test did not apply because Dark Spilver is not a U.S. resident. On Friday, May 17th, Magistrate Judge Sally Kim rejected the latter argument, holding that the First Amendment can apply even if a Doe 
is not in the U.S. The court noted that because Dark Spilver's speech was on U.S. companies' platform and has a U.S. audience, silencing them would have unavoidable domestic ripple effects. Well said. As Judge Kim explained, the subpoena here was issued by a court in the United States on behalf of a United States company, Watchtower, and was directed against another United States company, Reddit. Moreover, the First Amendment protects the audience as well as the speaker. I'm really glad to hear that it turned out that way. But I, from what I understood, uh, you know, we haven't gotten to the bottom yet, but I heard that it's a double-edged sword and that there were some bad to go along with the good. So let's keep reading. The court also rejected Watchtower's claim of infringement regarding the Excel spreadsheet. It held that Watchtower had potentially valid claim with respect to the advertisement, but went on to conclude that Dark Spilver's use was likely lawful under the fair use doctrine. The court carefully reviewed the fair use... Uh, factors and concluded that they tip sharply in Dark Spilver's favor. We wholeheartedly agree. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree too. It, it's totally fair use. I mean, I deal with fair use every day of my life. I've, I, it's, you know, I, I deal with fair use against the Watchtower Society even because I use their, um, like their videos and their advertisements and everything all the time. And they're not coming after me. I mean, I just finished making a Caleb and Sophia video. I used the entirety of the video. Now, I split it up into clips, and that puts it into fair use territory. But an advertisement? Why did they pick an advertisement to go after this one guy? This, is, this guy doesn't have a platform. He's not a public figure. Why did they go after him instead of somebody like me or Lloyd Evans or some other public figure, public apostate figure. It's really weird. And it's, it's also bad news for me that they're coming after people like that because they could come after me conceivably. But this is the type of thing that I would expect to see from Scientology, for example. That's the type of fear tactics and intimidation tactics that Scientology employs. It's all about getting the guy's name in the end. They don't care about what was released. They care about getting the guy's name so they can disfellowship him. Okay, let's continue reading. But we disagree with the court's final decision. This is the EFF talking. To order, uh, I'm sorry, to order limited disclosure so that Watchtower might attempt to shore up its copyright claim. While the court agreed that Watchtower has not demonstrated any actual harm or likelihood of future harm, the fourth fair use factor, it gave undue credence Watchtower's, to Watchtower's claim that the harm it suffered from people infringing on its copyrights was directing others away from its website. Based on the theory that perhaps Watchtower, if provided the opportunity, could demonstrate that fewer people visited its website after Dark Spilver's posting, the court decided to allow Watchtower's counsel access to Dark Spilver's identifying information. That's heartbreaking. The court decided to allow Watchtower's counsel access to Dark Spilver's identifying information. The council, not Watchtower, but the council. Unfortunately, the council is Watchtower. It's made up of Watchtower Society lawyers. They, they're Jehovah's Witnesses. They work in the compounds. There's absolutely no way that Watchtower Society doesn't have the guy's name now. Based on the court's approach, the Doe standard offers weak protections for fair users. Even a far-fetched theory regarding a particular fair use factor, like the one uh, posited here, 
might be enough to justify disclosure, even if the rest of the fair use analysis clearly suggests the use was lawful. That said, the disclosure is subject to strict limits. Reddit may disclose it only to Watchtower's Council of Record, and that council is prohibited from sharing that information with anyone else, including the client, without a separate court order. In addition, the court explicitly admonished that any violation of this order will be sanctioned. Um, unfortunately, I, you know, they they know who the guy is now, and they're going to watch him and wait for him to do something that they can disfellowship him for. As far as I'm concerned, this, you know, they have the name, and they're going to disfellowship the guy as a result now period they, they will find a reason they're going to dig through his life every part of his life until they find some reason to do it okay this is the last paragraph this case touches on a lot of eff's most important issues and it's a prime example of how intellectual property free speech and privacy can intersect in complicated ways making it hard for people to speak out about controversial issues we're considering next steps but in the meantime we are also celebrating a crucial win for the First Amendment and access to anonymous speech for Internet users everywhere. So it's a good it's it's good news and it's bad news. We've seen we've seen some good and some bad. Uh, it's disappointing that they gave the guy's name to Watchtower Society lawyers because now the Watchtower Society has it. I understand they said it's going to you know, they're going to get sanctioned and all that. They don't care. They don't care about the law. They care about Jehovah and his law. And they've straight up said that. Jehovah comes first, always. So I'm, I'm pretty concerned to see what happens. But either way, um, you know, there were some wins. So we can walk away reasonably happy with the wins we got. So this is uh, something I want to touch on here. This is a letter from Christian Congregation of Jehovah's Witnesses. So there are two companies. In fact, there are multiple companies. One of them is called the Watchtower Society. Another is called Christian Congregation of Jehovah's Witnesses. They split them up specifically like that so that they could use plausible deniability. Um, they keep a lot of records that they wouldn't want public. Uh, as part of the Watchtower Society, which is their printing company. And the governing body is completely disconnected from, quote-unquote, the Watchtower Society. They are the governing body of the Christian Congregation of Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, in reality, these people control everything. They control the entire thing. They're pretty much the board members of the religion. Um, but, you know, that whole plausible deniability bit... Uh, makes it so that they, they, they mainly claim to be part of Christian Congregation of Jehovah's Witnesses, and they claim no affiliation with the Watchtower Society. So, this letter comes from Christian Congregation of Jehovah's Witnesses. It says, <clears throat> oh, and just for context, this letter apparently is coming out as a result of some new privacy laws that were released in the EU. So the EU's been giving Jehovah's Witnesses shit for a while now over what they're what data they're allowed to collect about householders. Like before, they used to you'd go to the door, you'd knock on it, you would write down if it was a male or a female you spoke to, if they were interested, and you'd ask for their phone number or whatever else. You'd write down their house number, you'd put down their name just for record keeping purposes. And then you'd send that data back to the Watchtower Society or back to the 
Christian congregation of Jehovah's Witnesses, if you will. Uh, and they would record it so that others could use it. So the EU's released a bunch of rules about what you're allowed to collect now, and that's throwing a wrench into Jehovah's Witnesses' plans with what they collect right now. So this letter was released by the governing body, basically, uh, and, and it was leaked. So this is a leaked letter. It says, Dear Brothers, Sharing in the field ministry has always been a personal expression of each Christian's faith and desire to preach the good news of God's kingdom. Over the years, you may have become accustomed to collecting personal data in connection with your ministry. However, recent court decisions and the enactment of the General Data Protection Regulation, GDPR, affect the collection and use of personal data in our branch territory. Thus, any suggestions we previously made on note-taking as related to the field ministry are no longer applicable. Any suggestions we previously made on note-taking as related to the field ministry are no longer applicable. Okay. Accordingly, publishers should not collect personal data in connection with the field ministry. This means not maintaining records that include a person's name, address, language, ethnicity, and so forth. It also includes not recording addresses where there is one, I'm sorry, where no one is at home. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Though no personal data is recorded, publishers are encouraged to cultivate the interest they find. A publisher could do so by, one, providing his contact information to the interested person and arranging a return visit, two, directing the interested person to the address of the nearest congregation meetings, or three, directing the person to jw.org. There's that subtle plug again. As an exception, if a householder requests that no further visits be made to his home, the publisher should make make a note of the date and address only and place it in the territory record so that publishers working the territory in the future will not call at that address. That's the do not call list, basically. I've talked about this before. If you don't want a Jehovah's Witness to come to your house, just tell them, put me on the do not call list, don't come back. It's that simple, and they'll put you on this list. We send our warm Christian love, your brothers, Christian, uh, sorry, Christian Congregation of Jehovah's Witnesses. And now there's a, there's a second letter, apparently, a PS to the body of elders. This section of the letter is not supposed to be read to the congregation or anything. This is just for the elders. The coordinator of the body of elders should arrange for this letter to be read to the congregation at the first midweek meeting after its receipt. Thereafter, it should be posted on the information board for one month. This postscript should neither be read to the congregation nor be posted on the information board. Territory map cards used for group and personal territory should show only geographic boundaries such as street names. Uh, These cards should... Hang on, let me zoom in a little bit more. It's kind of hard to read. These cards should not include personal data such as lists of addresses of householders who speak a particular language. When two or more congregations preach in the same neighborhoods, the service overseers in these congregations should communicate to work out a a mutually acceptable system of covering the territory that does not involve maintaining records that contain personal data of householders. Please review the size of the individual territories used for house-to-house work. In uh, In line with local circumstances, there may be advantages for preparing territories with fewer homes. For example, publishers may be motivated 
to requested territory close to their home or workplace. In addition, since publishers do not collect personal data, territories with fewer homes may assist publishers to thoroughly search out deserving ones in the territory and cultivate interest. Interesting. So it, it, basically what I'm getting from this is that they are actually trying to comply with the, the new regulations, the privacy regulations that the EU released. That's a good thing, seemingly. Um, I'm tentative, though. I know Jehovah's Witnesses, they don't usually go down that easily. So we will see. We will see if any other stuff gets leaked, any other interesting information. I got a couple of super chats. The first one was from the Beaver Labs, and they said, make me God. Okay, you are God. Uh, let's see. Second one says, thank you for the info, Telltale. You're welcome, Beaver Labs. I found it interesting, too. I found the, the information interesting, too. So, anyway. And there was one more person said, um, did you get to widen your music exposure significantly after leaving Jehovah's Witnesses? That wasn't a super chat. That was just an at. But, um, yeah, I, I did. But, honestly, when I was Jehovah's Witness... Um, I kind of violated the rules flagrantly with music anyways. I listened to like Metallica and Megadeth and Pantera and Tool. Tool was most definitely not allowed in Jehovah's Witnesses. I mean, they had all kinds of songs that you weren't supposed to listen to. Um, I mean, they had songs about, they had a song called Eulogy about Jesus. It was a eulogy, eulogy to Jesus. That's definitely not allowed. Um, so anyway, yeah, lots of people. Omega Riley sent us a super chat. Thank you, Omega Riley. Says, glad to see another podcast. Yeah. Jeez, Beaver Labs, thank you for your kind words. Anytime. Thank you for the super chats. That's awesome. I, You know what? I'm going to send a little heart, too. Anyway, <laughs> thank you, guys. Uh, Potato, did you have any questions for me? Uh, yeah, sure. We got a couple. Uh, first up from Boba Fett was when you were leaving the Jehovah's Witnesses, what was the hardest part of breaking your indoctrination? When I was leaving Jehovah's Witnesses, what's the hardest part of, of beating the indoctrination? Um, honestly, I, th I feel like I had to come at every part of my belief system and my feelings on everything and reevaluate it and determine if it was reasonable and logical or not. I had to reevaluate how I felt about evolution and other religions and everything, just from the ground up. Um, I think that reevaluating evolution was probably the hardest because there's so much information there. Like, there's so much to learn about it. In fact, I'm still learning how evolution works and everything. Uh, in great detail. It's it's a very time-consuming process, but it's worth it because it's really fascinating. I love it. Um, before I take another question, I just noticed I had a whole bunch of super chats. Holy hell. Okay, let me start from the top here. Um, let's see here. I appreciate you guys so much. You, you have no idea. It's so awesome to see a swell of support because I don't know, YouTube's been down lately, and so I'm just so glad that you guys are showing your support for me. It's really nice. Uh, Omega Riley said, glad to see another podcast. Then Beaver Lab said, thank you for your kind words. Thank you for your kind words. Uh, and then I gave a little heart. Let's see. Tool. And then Omega Riley said, Beaver's trying to one-up me now. 
Red Boy gave me a $25 super chat. Enjoy your conversations. Thank you. I will do that. The Beaver Labs, $5, says, I appreciate the little heart emoji. You're welcome. In fact, I'll give you another. Boom. Then Omega Riley uh, gave me a super chat with no message to it. And then Beaver Labs gave me another super chat, says, I'll make this a war. Okay. Omega Riley gave a $5 super chat, says, then a war you shall have. Jesus. And then Beaver Labs gave another $5 super chat. I'll rally my troops. We'll fire cannons uh, of donations at Telltale. This is going. I like this. This seems, this seems good to me. Morgan Edgman donated $2, said, Your videos have inspired me to get back into art. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad they're doing some good. Um, I think artwork, art is really important. It played a big part in my life when I was younger, like, Sitting at home, you know, isolated from society the way that I was in my teen years. I had music and I had a notebook to draw in, always. Uh, cardboard donated $50. No message to it, though. Well, thank you. I appreciate that so much. And then Omega Riley, $10, says, Well, crap, I can't beat that on minimum wage. Well, I appreciate the donations anyways, and you know you're my boy. Uh, you're even a mod on here, so. Beaver Labs, Omega Riley, I'll fight in your name. Aw, they joined forces. That's so nice of you guys. Uh, Cajun Crustacean says, and my axe holds up a spray can. That's awesome. Omega Riley, $3. The final blow I'm dealing to my bank account. You guys didn't have to do all this. You're, you, you guys are the shit. You guys know that I love you to death. And then cardboard, $100. Holy hell, cardboard. Jesus Christ. I, I appreciate that so much, man. You don't even know. You really don't even know. It's awesome. All of you guys are just the shit. Anyway, that was an interesting conversation. That was really funny. Uh, okay, do you have more questions for me, Potato? I sure do. Okay. From Waffle688, have you ever been to a Catholic Mass? Any season is acceptable. No, I haven't, and I've really wanted to. Um, I love going to, like, different churches and stuff. Uh, I think it's really, really fascinating, especially Catholic Mass, because there's so many, like, weird little intricacies to, uh, to Catholic Mass. And, uh, you know, with the way you're supposed to worship and all of the rituals and the way you move, it's very calculated. It's very, very interesting, from what I understand. Like I said, I've never been to one. But I would like to go to one. I think I have a cousin who is um, who is Catholic, or who is at least previously Catholic. I don't know what he is. He may actually still be Catholic. I don't know. But um, maybe I can convince him to take me to a Catholic Mass one day. I think it'd be pretty cool. I'd also like to go to a Hindu uh, service. I don't know what they call it. Uh, wouldn't mind going to even a Muslim service. I think that would be pretty interesting. I'm always interested in going to this stuff and seeing how it works and everything. So, anyway, do you have one more question for me? Uh, sure. I got one from... Sure. Uh, I got one from Tauja, I believe. Okay, yeah. Are you planning on doing any sort of video discussing the new abortion laws, or is that just too far removed from your type of content? FYI, Tauja uh, helped me start this Discord in the first place. Um... He was a patron for like a really, really long time. He's a pretty good buddy of mine. So yeah, thanks for the question, Talja. Um, 
I actually talked to Jimmy, Mr. Atheist, about this, and he was he was trying to get me to do it. He was like, you know, if you do this, then we'll work together and we'll get something big going and we'll advertise together and everything. I, honestly, it's so far removed from my content type that it's hard to do. And I and I actually considered talking about it on the podcast, uh, but I feel like it takes such a time devotion that I don't know that I could devote enough time to it. I may still, I may still talk about it on the podcast. I may still talk about it on, um, on my main channel, but I'm going to have to find the right segue into it to do it because it's definitely outside my wheelhouse. I talk about religion and cults and extremism generally, and this does link into that in various ways. Um, which may even be the segues I need to get into it, but it's going to take time to, to, to do something like that. I do feel like it's extremely important to talk about, though. I, it's just hard to link into it. I got more Super Chats. Holy hell. Cassandra... Wait, Penta... I am I'm determined to get this name right because they gave me a Super Chat. I absolutely must. Cassandra Pentagast. To all poor peeps, small donations are valid. That is very true. Small donations are extremely valid, all of you. And then the Beaver Labs donated a dollar and one cent because they like to make it uneven. And then Omega Riley donated five one dollar donations. Holy shit, man. You're just, I swear to God, all of you are just the shit. I talk to Omega Riley in DMs sometimes uh, anyways. But yeah, hit me up sometime. All of you guys. I really appreciate the super chats, all of you. I'm actually OCD. I, I have obsessive compulsive disorder, so the fact that you guys are donating odd numbers <laughs> bothers me a little bit, in a comical way mostly. It's not terrible. I, I see that it's like 34 cents. Okay, so now I think it's 36 cents is the ending number. So I can justify that by saying it's like close to one-third. It's kind of an even, I don't even know. I'm just trying to not think about how uneven it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll take some guests now. Uh, first person on the list, I believe, is Sully. Can you hear me, Sully? Are you there, Tess? Yeah, I can, yeah, I can hear you. How's it going? Oh, uh, you know, I'm going. It's good. I'm doing good. You have been, like, a staff member on the Discord for, like, ever, right? Literally forever. Forever, roughly, okay. give or take a few evers. Okay, <laughs> okay, that's cool. So, um, actually, have we ever talked on the podcast before? I don't remember. We talked once, and I think that was in August. Okay, well, let, I'll tell you what. Why don't we start from scratch? Um, I know what religion you are, but let's go through it for the audience. You're a Quaker, right? Yes. Okay, tell me about it. Like, how did you become a Quaker? Have you always been? What was it like growing up that way? Well, being a Quaker is different, especially because I grew up in the liberal tradition of mm. quakerism not like an evangelical or conservative mm. one so it was very much just like any other one <laughs> right um you can do pretty much all the like since you're surrounded by people who are like also very like liberal mm -hmm. some are secular some are atheists it's very inclusive and very not restrictive at all right 
What so what I, is it like? Tell me about the service, because you know one time I did a Quaker video, but it ended up getting like taken down for one reason or another. So what is it like to go to a Quaker service? What's it all about? Um, Quaker service is very simple. Um, we go um, to my meeting hall. We go to um, at ten thirty in the morning. Um, you can be there a little early. They like sing and before it, and then you go in. And you sit in silence for an hour. Some people read, but most people just sit in complete silence for the hour. Some will raise and they'll give what's called testimony where they um, they talk about something that's coming to them. Um, it's sort of um, speaking in the spirit is what it's traditionally – stuff like that. Um, okay. And that goes on for an hour until um, a designated clerk basically um, – announces that it's over and does announcements and other things. Interesting. So you say some people will read and stuff. Do they accept the Bible? Like, do they use the Bible at all? Or Some do. Some don't. Mm. Our, um, my meeting hall has a library that has books from various different religions. We have um, a couple of translations of the Bible. We have, um, I think, yeah, we have a Talmud, which I never picked one up, but I think that's just the first couple of books of the Bible. Mm. Um there is a Quran. There's a few Buddhist things in there as well. Really? Mm-hmm. So they're they're not like really super exclusive toward the Bible then, I guess? Not that I know of. Um, mm-hmm. One book I picked up from that library actually um, pulls from the Bible um, a Buddhist text that I'm blanking. It's been about a year since I've read it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another one, which is a Hindu text. So what was it like growing up in the church? I mean, you grew up that way, didn't you? Um, yes. What was that all about? Like, were you, I guess your parents were uh, were Quakers, right? No, actually. My my dad's an atheist and okay. still is. My mom was non-practicing. We occasionally went, but she was more just a non-practicing Christian who just liked how um, free it was, for okay. lack of better phrasing. That's fair enough. I know that uh, I went to, I think, the SSA convention a little while back. I think it was like last July or something. And there was a guy that was walking around. Uh, you know, bear in mind, this is an atheist conference, and he's a Quaker. And he's got like a shirt, I think, that said like free thinking Quaker or something like that. So I've noticed that a lot of the times Quakers will kind of fraternize with the atheist community a little bit, maybe. Maybe that's the right word for it. The Quaker community fraternizes with the atheist community. I'm not sure if that's right or not. I mean, I would say it's correct. My own meeting hall has a um, an atheist meeting that meets once a month. Right. So mm-hmm. you're pretty happy with Quakerism in general? Yeah. Do you believe in Fulfilling. God personally? I believe in a concept. I don't put like a def- – like I don't – put a definition as like a ethereal sky father that looks over us and will, you know, manipulate the world. I have like a concept, but a very loose concept of it. Okay. All right. That's fair enough. What about your family? Is your family religious now? My dad's still an atheist and my mom is still a non-practicing kind of practicing Christian. My grandmother, my grandparents, they, um, go to a church of christ church now down in north carolina how are your feelings about religion more generally now like having become an adult and everything and seeing 
how things play out. What do you think of religion for the most part, just overall? I'm a very critical person. Mm, right. <laughs> um, as um, I actually write for a newspaper on a Catholic campus, I go to a Catholic school for oh, okay. my university. And I've actually openly criticized the Catholic Church. I've openly criticized the Methodist Church. I've criticized the Mormon Church. Right. <laughs> in, in the newspaper, which has gotten me, like, um, in trouble a few has times. Has it really? That's interesting. You need to tell <laughs> me about that. What happened? There was, like, okay, so first article that really, really criticized the Catholic Church was when um, the Catholic Church had that massive sex scandal. Right last year we came out about what happened in Pennsylvania. Right. I remember and the, um, so I wrote an article basically like laying out like, look, this is a big problem, you know, and the, the Pope failed in this regard. Our Bishop, the bishops failed in this regard. Right. Um, and the, the university, not the university at first, but the local diocese, came to the university president because it's a Catholic oh, like God. Catholic school yeah and said you really need to rein in this newspaper you need to get a someone on staff to actually go through and look at these papers basically look into censoring it for anti-catholic bias oh that's insane so what did they say to you like did they tell you that you need to cool it they didn't talk they didn't talk to me directly they talked to my editor-in-chief uh. who and this is great. He was a Catholic. His entire life was a choir boy for how many years? Mm. And he basically told them to go shove it. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. God, that's that's great. I don't know. Like, you got to be accepting of criticism. Sometimes that's just how things go. You know, I understand that they, they didn't want that stuff to get out. But I remember the stuff you're talking about. And it was ugly. It needed to well, yeah. get out, you know? And the thing is, is that it's very real because the university I go to is in Pennsylvania. That's still anonymous. There's lots of Catholic campuses in Pennsylvania. And um, so it was like, very relevant because you could probably – you might know someone mm. who got involved in that, who was involved in that. Right. So it's important to talk about, yeah. in my opinion. It is. It's extremely important to talk about. So I am glad that you ended up covering that. I'm glad that you don't give a shit hold people's feet to the fire one way or another. I feel like that's pretty important. Anyway, yeah, I appreciate you coming on and talking to me. And uh, again, thank you for being like a staff member for so long and, and helping out with everything. I could, I absolutely could not have done this without you. Seriously, could not have. So thank you again for helping me out with everything. It's okay. And you could have, just not as well. Right? <laughs> All right, I'll take that. Could have, just not okay. as well. All right, I'll talk to you later on, okay? Awesome. All right. Um, I couldn't have. I couldn't have done it. Maybe there are some other people around who who would have been willing to help, but you were the one here who was willing to help, not them. So, and there are others here who were willing to help too. And by the way, I just want to mention there is there is continuing to be a uh, super chat war right now. Um, Omega Riley evened it out, so it was an uh, an even number that was donated. He donated four dollars. So two forty six was such a weird number. I couldn't let it stay. I've literally never in my life gotten this many Super Chats before. Then Cajun Crustacean donated $3 and said, now it's odd again. And then Cardboard said, now I have to even this out and donated 47 more. <laughs> and then the Beaver Labs donated 
so it's uneven again. Cajun Crustacean donated $3.33. Seriously, Cardboard, add me as a friend on Discord. You are now a good buddy of mine. Red Boy 2, both of you. Okay, let's go. Yeah, both of you add me on Discord as friends. That's insane. Holy shit, guys. Uh, next person on the list. Seriously, like, YouTube has really been fucking me over with views lately on my main channel. So the fact that you guys are donating Super Chats is actually very extremely legitimately helpful. So thank you so much for all of, all of the help. Now, next person on the list is Bale. I'm going to start. Uh, I'm going to stop. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm going to start gushing over you guys for a second and, and move on to the next person, which is Bale. Let me unmute. Can you hear me, Bale? Test? Yep, I, uh, I can hear you. How's it going? Good, good. It's going good. That's good to hear. So uh, we haven't talked on here before, have we? I don't think we have. Uh, no, not, not on the podcast, no. Okay, so tell me what religion you were originally. Are you still religious? or? Uh, I, I'm not religious, no. Um, I, I've never really truly been religious, I guess. Um, but I used to sort of be a christian okay back when i was younger yeah did your parents grow or were your parents religious like when you were growing up do you know what denomination it was um, my father was but my mom never really was i can't i think as methodist methodist okay I interesting can't remember how how extreme was it? Like, do you remember any kind of extremeness or anything like that? Like, people just doing really crazy stuff? Or what was it like? No. None of that, really? Um, Pretty no, chill? I mean, yeah, and I don't remember much of it since um, we kind of moved away from anywhere with a bunch of churches uh, about 10 years ago, and we've been stuck here for about 10 years, and mm. there's really nowhere for them to go and my dad he's in texas now so right we don't go to church at all anymore <laughs> interesting well that's cool yeah, yeah I, I know that i always yeah. kind of hated going to church well they called it going to the uh, going to the meetings i did not like it it was boring yeah you know? um i yeah i i never particularly enjoyed going to church either because i used to hate having to wear nice clothes yeah for one and and waking up that early in the morning was just not... Yeah, it was awful. <laughs> not enjoy, I, yeah, I still hate waking up early in Same. the morning. Same. <laughs> Seriously, it's so uh, bad. What are your thoughts on God and things now? Like, do you have any opinions on it? Do you believe in God now? or? I, I've never really believed in God, to be honest, and um, I don't think I ever... <laughs> I don't think I ever will. But mm. I, I think that if, and this is a big if, there ever was one, I think either it died, it doesn't care, or it's not benevolent at right. all. <laughs> it's either evil or not all-powerful or just doesn't care at all, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, yeah that or, makes sense. Or it, died, or it died somewhere along the way. That could be, too. I mean, there are so many possibilities with it that people are just yeah. not considering because it's kind of outside of the ideas that they have of God in the first place. Like, what? God can't die, but what kind of God are we talking about, right? I mean, it, it is right. possible that that's an option, right? Yeah. 
So it, it's it's really interesting to hear people try to spin up stories about their version of God or what they believe about God. It's really fascinating to hear it. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of disappointing in its own way that that it's got such a stranglehold on people and on society, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but <laughs> I kind of know that's like because uh, where I live, a lot of people here are religious, right? Um, we actually have quite a few Jehovah's Witnesses places oh, really? scattered throughout my town. Yeah. That's uh, interesting. My, my Latin teacher is a Jehovah's Witness. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. What kind of interactions have you had with him about it? Do you remember any? Um, I, I don't really bring up religion at all, and I'm mm. mo- normally the quiet kid in class anyway. Sure, so. I was too. By the way, what grade are you in now? Do you want to say? Oh, I, uh, I'm going. I'm going into my senior year. Uh, summer break started today. <laughs> oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah, so this is the first day in roughly a month where I didn't have to wake up early for some random stuff. That's so great. You know, when I was, um, I was a software engineer for a while. In fact, for like six years or something, I was in software engineering, and just I think probably it was in August, maybe. Uh, July or August, I ended up going full-time with YouTube. And so at that point, you think to yourself, I don't have to get up early anymore, right? But no, I did. I still had to get up early as sin because I had to drive my daughter to school and get, you know, get her ready for school and everything. So no matter what, for at least until she's 18, I'm going to be getting up early as sin still. It's worth it, though. Oh, just one day at a time, you know? It's hard to get up that early sometimes, but at least I'm not getting up that early on Sundays. That's something. Cause... No, like with me, when it comes to waking up early in the morning, I have to, I have to set an alarm a half hour before I want to actually wake up. Yeah. Because it takes me half an hour to force myself out of bed. Yep. <laughs> yep. I do the same thing. I actually set my alarm for, um, like seven, and then I set another alarm for like. 708 and then 713 and I just like at a certain point I keep hitting snooze so much that it's just like an alarm goes off every two minutes until I get up uh, and I'm supposed to be up at like 720 730 somewhere in there so yeah. well I uh I wake up well I'm supposed to wake up at like 530 ish in the morning oh god it's so early yeah it's so bad yeah um yeah but Main reason why is because I'm gonna get up and everything, right? I gotta take care of the dogs because we have three of them. Right. And then I also have to make myself breakfast or something, which is normally just like a pot of coffee because that's totally healthy. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I drink a lot of coffee too. Uh, I've actually been getting more into energy drinks recently than coffee because it doesn't take any time to get an energy Prepare. drink, whereas it that's takes time true. to make coffee. Yeah. That is very true. It's a lot more yeah. convenient, but I don't know. Like yeah, They're also way worse for you. <laughs> that's true, and I've also developed a taste for coffee, so there's just something like, it's kind of like beer. Like, I never developed a taste for beer. I just don't like it, but I did develop a taste for coffee, so as bitter as it tastes usually, it's still really just, there's something really appealing about the flavor. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It's hard um, to describe, but I do love coffee. When it comes to coffee, though, uh, I... Okay, so during the winter months, they do the peppermint mocha creamer, right? 
Yeah. So like, I get a ton of the peppermint mocha creamers because that's my favorite right. kind of flavor for coffee. So I just keep it in the fridge. Boom. I got enough for it. There year. you go. But uh, here's the issue with that, right? Yeah. My little brother, he likes to drink the creamer by itself. Really? Mm-hmm. That would be a weird flavor. I couldn't do it. I, I've tried it before. It's just the strongest peppermint flavor you will ever have. I imagine it's got to taste like just pure sugar. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, yeah. I used to have this espresso machine where you would like, it would just put out like concentrated coffee and then you'd mix it 50, 50 with creamer and then f- like fluff it and stuff. It was really, really good, but I don't know. I just like the, f- the flavor of straight coffee now. Maybe it's cause I'm getting old. I don't know. <laughs> I'm 29 and I just love the flavor of coffee. It's awesome. Um, have you ever have you ever had a uh, cold brew coffee? I have, yeah. And sometimes I go to Starbucks and I'll get some types of cold brews. Like I've had um, frappuccinos and stuff. Is that the kind of cold brew you're you're working with? Um, well, no. Um, we have a we make our own cold brew here every now and then, right? Mm, right. And so it takes a little bit of time for that to work. It takes like a day or two to get it right, and really strong right but it's also really good right i may have to try that one of these days i'm a coffee connoisseur at this point i (laughs) i love coffee but anyway yeah appreciate you coming on and talking to me it's been an interesting conversation and maybe we'll talk to you again one of these days okay all right all right thanks man yeah it's pretty cool uh talking to you petwin are you there can you hear me hi hey hi how's it going uh, it's going good. That's good. So I saw a second ago, you said that your body is going numb. Is your body no longer numb? <laughs> so tell me, what religion were you originally? Are you still religious or no? I'm technically not really religious anymore. And in reality, kind of like the same with Baal. I, I wasn't really ever that religious, mm. but religion where I really did like constantly go to a religion is mm. like uh the one where I was constantly in religion was Judaism because that was my dad's side of the family and that's when I went to uh synagogue for two years and okay. then once it came to getting like bar mitzvah stuff it wasn't in my schedule because of school and everything so right like interesting so you grew up Jewish is what you're saying and you yeah. did you say you did get bar mitzvah mm-hmm. or no no, I didn't, because okay. I, I never got caught. Uh, but actually, it was more of like for the first five years of my life, it, I actually had no religion introduced to me, but I was mm-hmm. told at a young age that when I was old enough, I could choose religion, because right. my mom said that family was Christian, while my dad said that family was Jewish. So you said that your your dad was Jewish, but your mom was Christian? Yeah, actually, my dad's technically an atheist, because he doesn't actually believe in religion. That's something that I learned later on, like about mm. a couple of years. And he'd like made hints about it like for years now, but mm. he just straight up came out about it like a couple of years. That's super interesting to me because I, from my understanding, which is limited, I thought that typically in Judaism, you had to marry in to become Jewish and it had to be the mother. Oh, my mom and dad were both. I mean, my mom and dad were never married. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. 
And the main reason why I started going to church was because my mom had passed away. So then mm-hmm. it ended up being like I was with my dad's side of the family. So that's why. Sure. I and see. the only reason why I stopped going is because they ended up having like the school to like learn more Hebrew and stuff to, for the bar mitzvah was on Wednesdays. And my school, it got out at three. And like the, the lessons were like before then. Well, and I was still in school, so I could do that. Sure. So that's kind of why. I see. That's super fascinating. So did you grow up with kind of a Jewish background then? Like, did you learn about Judaism and things? Yeah, I did. Like, I remember I went to, like, I remember that I specifically did, like, I went in learned like, I remember that when I was, like, around six to, like, eight, I learned about, like, I learned some Hebrew and stuff and other things. Right. Stories and all Interesting. So you, I guess you could say you grew up with the culture then, but you didn't really grow up so much with the religion. Yeah, kind of more like the culture. And one of the things was because my mom's side of him was Christian, my dad's side was Jewish. I had both. I got to both have Hanukkah and Christmas, so right. I had the presents, and then also Christmas, where I got to open up one of my presents on Christmas Eve, and then all of that. Oh, that I is awesome! So you got Christmas and Hanukkah then. Yeah, I still get both, but you know, getting older, it's like less more, less gifts. Yeah. So what was what was Hanukkah like? Like, can tell me about because I don't know much about it. I had a buddy I worked with who was Jewish, and he gave me a little bit of a rundown. But what happens with it? Uh, well, what my family did, what my family does is like usually, uh, for most of the days, it's just like with my dad and then like a couple other family members who like live nearby right like close by mm-hmm. and we like we get like the menorah and we like the we like the candles for like what whichever night and then we sing like the prayer for it and mm. then it's just like you know kind of just that more or less right and there might be like a small gift or something like because like each of my family members basically just one of my family members she's giving gifts for those nights then one of the nights, it's where, like, a lot, all of my dad's, like, a lot of my dad's side of the family, like, we all, like, meet up on one of the nights and kind of do, like, this big thing where we all, like, give out presents and stuff. Like, it's right. almost like a miniature Christmas, kind of, but it's just, like, for one, that one night out of the nine, it, yeah, it's, it's a lot of, it, it's a lot of fun, but recently I haven't been able to go to them because I'm either at my grandma's because a lot of the time, uh, Hanukkah also happens when there's Thanksgiving, so I'm over at my mom's side of the family for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Let me ask you this. So you've talked a little bit about, like, different traditions and stuff. What kinds of traditions do you have for Christmas? Like, did you ever play any kind of Christmas games or anything like that? I mean, with my... um, I mean, we never really had specific games. My cousins and I, we just, like, hang out and stuff. Right. A lot of the time. And then we just, like, open up our presents and then, like, on Christmas Eve, we'd open one of our presents. Yeah, they did and... something similar with, like, so I, obviously I grew up Jehovah's Witness. I didn't celebrate Christmas, but now I have um, my daughter's family. They do celebrate Christmas, and that's kind of the same thing they do. Like, you open one present on Christmas Eve, and um, and but we also play, like, different games on Christmas Eve. Like, they'll play uh, gag gifts. I don't know if you've ever heard of that one. Have you ever heard of that? No, I haven't. It's just with my family, we just more of like talk about stories and stuff, more or less. Right. That's fair. I mean, that sounds like a good time, right? Um, storytelling and things like that. I actually have a close friend of mine who I've known 
for like over half my life. Mm -hmm. Since I remember since I was six and being 14 now, it, I've known her for a while. She's actually Mormon. Mormon, it's, really? Yeah. I met her when like I moved, when I was around six, when I moved into the neighborhood. I met her one day and then we just like, we, I would go to her house because she was right next door. And we're really, like, we're really good friends. That's interesting. Well, like, have you noticed, like, Mormonism kind of showing itself in your relationship in any way? Or has it pretty much just stayed on the back burner? I mean, yeah, I have noticed it in, like, certain things. Because mm. yeah, I've noticed it before with, like, certain things. Yeah. You know? It's just like a lot of like things where, like I've also noticed it with like her family members. In fact, I actually remember like one of the things was like every like Tuesday they like not every Tuesday but like two times a month on a Tuesday they like there would be like this activity day thing that she would mm, go to. Yeah. And she sometimes took me with her. In fact, I remember one of the things was that she invited me to her church, and I went because I thought, hey, it means more time hanging out with my friend. Right. It was the most thing I ever had to experience. I guess it was a I, it was a Mormon activity then, right? Yeah, it was it was really great. Yeah, I've and heard that Mormons are really big on activities and events and things like that. My cousins who got like my cousin who got married into the family with mm -hmm. uh her with my aunt being one who was married in. Yeah, uh, they are Mormon too, and then my cousin ended up getting adopted by them too. My other cousin, where they became siblings. Uh, yeah, I remember one time I was forced to go to church with them. I didn't want to after experiencing one time because I right. one went with my friend. The only thing that made it easier was that I already knew some of the people there because a lot of them went to my school and all. Yeah. But then when I went with my cousins, I only knew my cousins basically. And it was just this boring but more awkward. Yeah, it's just one of the things is like it's just really boring going to like a Mormon church and like going yeah. through everything. Really boring. You can hear me, right? Did I lose you? I think I may have. That's too bad. I think I may have lost Petwin. Yeah, I did. I lost Petwin. Well, that was a really interesting story at any rate, and it's near the end of the podcast uh, anyways, so we're going to move on. But Petwin, I appreciate you coming on and talking to me. Like I said, I am going to move on. That's, uh, that is the end of the podcast. I appreciate you guys coming on and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week.